Good morning. How are we doing? Are we okay? We're good. And if we're not good, God's good. And he's bringing good out if you're not good. Amen? Do we believe that? Some of you facing stuff, God's good. Amen? No matter what you're going through, he's still good. Keep your eyes on him and he'll bring good out of your situation because he's faithful. Amen? Um, I've just come, uh, for those of you who don't know, I've just been in Canada for a week last week, came back on Monday. I had a great time. I have to say, I had a good time at a conference over there and with some great men of God who were were doing great things. Um, But to be honest, it wasn't the great things they were doing that really inspired me. It was just being with some guys and some, some women and some couples that just really blessed me and refreshed me. So I feel much better than when I went. Um, not that I was bad before, but I just want to thank people for those people that prayed for me whilst we were out there and prayed for Sarah. I do appreciate your prayers. Um, but I'm very blessed to go out there and have the opportunity. And I, ca- I come back with some great connections, some great people who may visit us in the future. Let's see what happens. Amen. Okay, so I'm, I'm doing introducing parables this morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read a parable, I'm like, what the heck does that mean? Jesus, what are you on about? You know, does anybody else read them like that? Or is it just me? It's just me that struggles. I remember when I was young, before I was a Christian, I remember sitting with a Bible open and reading the parable of the sower and trying to work it out. What is this saying? And none of it really made sense. I kind of got God was in there as a sower and a, a farmer. And a, I, I kind of got some of it, but it just didn't quite make sense to me. You know, and Jesus often shares parables, and we'll look at that in a minute why. But um, I think sometimes we just don't understand it because we're maybe not digging a little bit more than we need to dig. Does that make sense? And sometimes we just read it on a, on a, on a meter you know, on a kind of superficial level where we're after something and we look and we think, oh, that's really speaking to me. But actually, there's so much more to the parables that Jesus is writing. And hopefully by the end of today, I'll help you understand when we look at parables, how to look at them in the bigger context of Scripture and not just read it from a simple story that Jesus is telling. Some people say a parable is a story with a meaning and Jesus is trying to give a meaning. Uh, some people, it's almost like he's preaching and it's an illustration to a preach. But to be honest, when you look at it, it's far more than that. It's far more than just a preacher's illustration that he's adding on the end of a truth. It's actually far bigger than that, okay? And we must understand the the vastness of Scripture and put it in context before we try to take some truth from it. Does that make sense? So this morning, I'm going to start off with Mark 4. And in Mark 4, verse 13, Jesus says to his disciples... Don't you understand this parable? It sounds like me sitting there. It's like he's talking to me. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? You know, sometimes we read that and I think to myself, does that mean if I don't understand this parable, which is the parable of the sower, none of the others will make sense? Is it like a secret key that will get me in and I'll understand everything else? I don't think Jesus really means that. I think what he's saying is, if you don't understand one of them, you won't understand any of them. You know, we can come to church and we can hear the word of God preach. We can hear what's being said, but sometimes it doesn't quite make sense. You, it might make sense to you because you have understanding, but for some people, they don't understand because it's not been made clear to them. Am I making sense? Am I clear this morning or are you not understanding me? There's not. Uh, yes, thank you. Are you. Am I making sense? So for some of us, like these disciples, he sits with them and he's saying that some people don't understand because the secrets have not been revealed to them. But for those who've been revealed to, you understand. Does anybody understand this morning? 
Are there any understanders in here? Because you've been on a journey of asking and seeking. You know, theology isn't just information and knowledge. Theology means I want to know God, so I'm going to seek him to understand him. That's what theology is. Am I making sense? You know, I know what the Bible says, so I understand what it says, so I know who God is. No, 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 it's more than that. Faith, theology combined together is saying, I'm seeking God. Jesus says, if you seek me, you'll find me. So theology isn't just information and knowledge that we gather. It's more than that. It has to have have things added to it so we gain understanding. And we go, makes sense now. Didn't understand the parable before. Now it's opened up to me and it makes sense. Because I've sought God and God has made it clear to me what this means. Now I've gained understanding, not just knowledge. Am I making sense? So when we look at these parables then, it's important. I'm going to read a parable of the sower from Matthew. There's a few things to consider when we're reading a parable. The first one is, who's writing the parable and why? Not just take it from, like I said, surface level. I'm going to read this for me. No, no, no. Who's writing it and who is he writing it to? What's the purpose of him writing that? And we'll look at it in a minute. The second one is, well, why, why is Jesus using parables? Why doesn't he just tell me the truth? I just want the truth. Just tell me. Tell me the answer. <laughs> Kids come to me. Just tell me. No, no, no. I want you to work it out yourself. I want you to gain understanding rather than actually me just tell you the answer because that's easy. You know, we're in a generation now that wants a quick fix. I was a generation that lived in buffering. You downloaded something, it was buffering. We got used to buffering. It's just buffering. Now, buffering! <sighs> can't, can't buffer, can't wait. And they just come out, what's the new, what's the new downloads thing? Five, 5G. I mean, apparently movies now are going to be, boom, we don't have to wait for the thing to come. It's just almost instant. And if we're not careful, we have a generation that don't want to process and don't want to find what the gospel says and don't want to find understanding because they want it now and you want me to tell you the truth, but you're not willing to put it in your life and apply it and it make a difference and it go deeper. And therefore, our gospel becomes shallow rather than deep. Does that make sense? That's why Jesus talks in parables, because he wants you to gain understanding, not just give you a quick fix. He gives you a story to think about and to process and actually look at and digest and actually apply. How does this look to me? Self-reflect on me. Self-awareness. How am I fitting in this? Am I a sinner? Do I, do I do those things wrong? Or is it just all those other people? Or is it actually speaking to me? Am I self-aware of myself as a sinner in this world? A broken mess. Are you with me? So when we're looking at this, we must understand why is Jesus speaking in parables? And we'll go into that a little bit more in a minute. But also, who's writing it? So, let's read the parable, and then we'll dig a little bit more into it. Who wants to gain some understanding? Who wants to learn something this morning? We don't know it all, do we? I'm still learning. Let's, let's be, be open to learn something this morning. So, let's read Matthew 13. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Apparently, this was a really good kind of area to go because all the pe- preachers, it's almost like having a, um, what they called, uh, amphitheater, okay, on the shores there. That's what he's doing so they could hear him. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. 
But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Sounding familiar again. What I was saying earlier. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. See, just a quick thing on this, right? Jesus is saying those who have ears, let them hear. You see, this is something that comes from the Old Testament, which was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. And this is how Jesus, the Messiah, would come and communicate. So he would come and communicate with stories, parables. And what would happen is those who had ears to hear would hear the story, would hear the gospel. But those who didn't have ears to hear would not hear. Am I making sense? Is anybody hearing me this morning? So when he's communicating this parable, he's not just communicating a story. He's actually communicating a fulfillment of something from the Old Testament. You see, why is Matthew writing this and who is he writing it to? Matthew is writing it to Jewish Christians. After the death of Jesus, after the resurrection of Jesus, Matthew is writing to pull people in. He's talking to Jewish believers now who become Christians. And he's trying to remind them of their deep-rooted history as a Jewish person. Am I making sense? So this isn't just a story standing alone. This is a story of a bigger story. And when we read these parables, we mustn't just read them, oh, this is a story about sowing seed. No, no, no. This is a story about the story. This is a story about what the prophet Isaiah said. This is a story about the king of kings who's coming. This is a story about the savior of the world that you're now involved in. And if you've got ears to hear, you can hear that the king of kings is speaking to you now or when you read scriptures. But if we just read it from our own perspective, which we can and God can use it that way, we miss out that we're a part of something bigger. We miss out how big God is and what God's planned from the beginning of time because we just read it from our point of view rather than from whole scripture. So when Jesus is saying here, those who have ears to hear, he's, he's, prophesying, or he's prophesying, but he's also saying and fulfilling what the prophet Isaiah said in the Old Testament. That's what I'm saying. It's a bigger story than just the story he's telling. So why does Matthew also do this? Matthew is trying to get them to understand as a people that they have deep roots, that they are so rich in knowledge, so rich in scripture, so rich in these stories. And he's trying to remind them about their richness and their inheritance and their God who's bigger and greater and has not given up on them. He's trying to remind them how rich they are, but how wonderful God is. He's saying, look at the story that God planned for you to be involved in. From the beginning of time, he wrote a story, and today it's been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And he's reminding them as a Jewish people, you have a rich history. You are so rich. The promises of God were promised to you and through you as a nation, Israel. And today it's been fulfilled. What the prophet has prophesied, today it's been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't kind of get, what, 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 what's he, why, why does that, how does that fit to us? Well, we must understand the Jewish culture and, and how rabbis taught. So rabbis taught with stories because literature wasn't around a lot. 
So the average person that came and listened to a story, the preacher or the communicator, the teacher wanted to burn on the hearts and the minds a, a story or an image about who God was. So when Jesus is telling a story about a farmer and a seed and a soil, like I'm telling you now, farmer, seed, and soil, there's three images that you have to go away with, farmer, seed, soil. And it puts it on your mind and it pops it on your heart and you go, I get that now. I haven't got it written down, but I've got the image that God wants to tell me about today. Now they have this image that's been given to the Jews and, and all of Israel had this imagery. Now, if we don't go back and look at this imagery, we won't understand what it actually means in the parable. Making sense? It's rich. The Jews were rich in symbolism and, and I'm going to use the word logos. So if I show you, show you a logo this morning, you'll know what it means. Where, show me the first. What's that one? Instagram. What, use your imagination. What could it be? A camera. What else could it be? A what? Curling, somebody curling, exactly, right? Okay, it's interpretation, isn't it? You can interpret that in whatever way you want, but actually, you've had that wired into your brain that that image, that logo is Instagram. You know that, that. It's been pumped, it's been pumped, it's been pumped everywhere. You associate that now with Instagram, do you not? Did anybody know, not know what that was? Be honest, if you didn't know what that was, this morning. that's okay. You don't use Instagram. Well, you are free from this world. Hallelujah, there's still people alive and not interconnected, <laughs> right? Here we go. Let's have another one. What's that one? Wi-Fi, what could it be? A discus. Yeah, an area where your discus is thrown and you're not allowed to go into that area. An ice cream cone with black stripes around it, right? You can interpret that symbol in whatever way you want to interpret that symbol. You know it's been programmed into you that that is Wi-Fi. You've got it, Yeah. Let's have a look at the next one. Off or on? <laughs> Standby, okay? You know what that is. That's already been programmed into you. My point is this. If you take that symbol back to the time of Jesus or before, they are going to interpret that in a different way than what we know because it's our culture. Am I making sense? You take Wi-Fi back, that symbol, they'd probably say it was prayers going up to heaven, They'd interpret it their way. Get it? Now, we've got symbols in this scripture, in this parable, that is so rich in Jewish history. We have to dig back into Jewish history to understand what this symbol means. So we've got the symbol now, a seed, but what does that seed mean? And what did it mean to them back there? For us to actually understand the riches now of what we've been given from their history. Are you with me? So we're going to go back to some symbols, some logos. Am I making sense? I'm trying to help you to understand how we read a parable for it to make sense and for us to understand it. Because if we don't go back to what it meant then, we won't understand it fully today. And there's another way that we do understand it, which is actually through faith and through God giving us his spirit, which helps us to interpret and discern it. We can't do it without that. But here's the deal. We're going to go back and look at these symbols. So here's the first symbol, the seed. Let's read what it says in the parable, and then we'll go into some Jewish history. So let's carry on reading that parable. It says, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak in to people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven 
has been given to you, but not to them. So what's happening is he's talking to the people publicly to give them a story for them to process it and to have a look at them, connect it to history, to understand what he's actually saying, the truth that he's bringing. But then he's taking it to the disciples a little bit closer and saying, this is what it means. The reason he's doing that is because publicly some of the things he said would cause the people to want to kill him. So he kind of puts it out there, but they don't quite understand it yet, what he's saying. But I'm going to draw a little bit closer to my disciples and explain to my disciples what it's actually meaning. So then he says this, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. This is Isaiah, he's quoting, though seeing, they do not see, though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For their, this people's heart has become calloused, hard-hearted. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your eyes this morning if you know Jesus. Amen? But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it. And hear what you hear but did not hear it. And then he goes on to explain. Have we got the rest? Have we not got the expert? Sorry. Okay, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, they, on, they last only a short time. When people... Trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of the, this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So to understand this, We've got to understand what the seed is talking about. The seed in Jewish history is not just talking about, although he's talking about the word of God, he's saying it's the word of God, it's the message of God to these people here. It goes right back to the beginning when God made the world. And God created the world, then he made Adam. He made Adam, Adam had children, Cain killed eight. I'm getting around. Cain killed Abel. Yes, you remember? I'm getting the right way around, aren't I? I can get things muddled up. And we see, so when we're talking about seed, we're also talking about an individual. We're talking about God's child, God's son. Adam in creation is a seed. Then we see this seed carry on and we get to Noah. Then we see many of the seeds wiped out because of their sin. Then it carries on and we see Abraham. Abraham becomes the father of faith to Israel. Abraham's seed, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob becomes Israel known as God's child. 
So when we're talking about the seed, not only we're talking about the word of God, which we'll look at in a minute, we're also talking about God's child as a seed. So when he's talking to these people, these Jewish people, he's talking to you as a people or he's talking to the Israelites or the Jewish inheritance and saying, you are God's seed. And the blessing of God was designed to come through you, Israel. As my child, it was promised from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the nations would be blessed through Jacob. Am I with you? Are you still with me? So the blessing or the seed is coming from the promise of God, was promised to Abraham, was promised to Isaac, was promised to Jacob, and then Israel should have been a light to the nations. Israel should not have been hiding under a bushel, as he goes on to share the next parable, but Israel should have been put on a lampstand and shining to the nations so that God's love could be shared to the nations, so evil could be destroyed and man would have dominion over the world like he was, he was called to do in the beginning to, through Adam. Are you still with me? So God's original plan of his child is seed. He's speaking to the Israelites and he's saying, you, you were chosen to be my child. You were chosen and I wanted to work in you and through you so you could bring my kingdom and my love to this world. Yet as a seed, you have failed. Why? Because in the beginning, the love was stolen from you. You rejected me. And the love was stolen from you. You lost your identity in the beginning. Adam lost his identity. Because the enemy came and stole the identity from Adam. Because Adam surrendered his, his, his will to Satan. Are you still with me? Then we see that seed of God. God's seed. God's child. We see Cain and Abel fall out. And Cain kills him. We see Satan again trying to destroy the seed of God's creation. And in God being a just God actually should have looked at Cain and said, do you know what Cain, justice be done, wiped you out. He's a just God, but he didn't do that because he's a merciful God and he's not giving up on his seed. He's not giving up on his children. So he doesn't give up on his seed and then he promises to Abraham we see what well, we see with Adam, he wipes out many seeds, but he still keeps to looking, keeping his eye on the seed, on the promise, on his children, rather than wiping us all out. Then we see it to Abraham, who he promises to bless, and all the nations will be blessed through him. Yet Israel again falls short and does not bless the nations. It becomes self consumed. It just looks out for itself. It defends its own walls, but it doesn't go and share the love. It doesn't get rid of the sin out of its life. Therefore, we see a rocky road. We see a rocky path. We see them taken into captivity. We see them taken out of captivity. Yet their hearts do not change. Their hearts are still shallow and it never takes roots. Are you with me this morning? So when he's talking about the seed, he's talking about the message of God, the word of God, but he's also talking about them as a people that have not embraced the word of God. Them them as a people have not allowed the gospel or the good news to come in them, and as a nation to be the light of the world, it's not happened, they've fallen short. Can you see why Jesus is talking in parables, and why he might be kind of stoned by the Israelites for saying that they have not, they've fallen short? Hmm. Is it making sense now? So... He's talking to a people whose hearts have become callous and hard 
whose vision has only become on a natural level and not understanding that God is above all things and there's a spiritual dynamic to this that they've missed out on. So when they look at their blessing for Abraham, they just look at a natural level. They don't understand the spiritual level and what God can do. They think the blessing is just going to come to them, that a king is going to come out of Israel and take dominion on a natural level, level and be a big, strong king. Making sense? But they've missed it and fallen short and their ears are closed because God is coming in a different way. God has not given up on his seed. He's not given up on his children. He's not given up on the world. And he's made sure through all the beginning of time, through this one story that he's, that he's had from the beginning of time, he designed this story, that his seed is going to succeed. And that his seed is going to come through Abraham and bless all the nations. So that seed, as you know today, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the seed that is promised through Abraham. Through, through Abraham's seed, all nations will be blessed. Am I making sense? And you think, wow, how has that happened? Have you got the picture that, you got, can you put the picture up of the nations that have been blessed? From one man in a little town, these are the nations now that the gospel has gone out to. All those blue dots are where there's 50,000 Christians apparently in those areas. This is Jesus Christ and the seed that's an uncorruptible seed that has the power to get to the nations where Israel couldn't get to. Am I making sense? This is the king of kings who's now established a kingdom, not just in Israel, but he's fulfilled what he promised through Abraham and is still doing today. I think that's good what Jesus has done. I find it interesting that places like China have tried to stop the gospel going in, but you can't stop Jesus going in anywhere. You might, authorities and kingdoms and of this world might say this isn't happening, but God's not dictated to by them. He's above all those things. You see, a Paul, you see Paul in the New Testament who Saul tries to stop God's kingdom, but God comes in above all things and changes Paul and transforms the heart of Paul and puts the seed in Paul, and then out of Paul comes many nations. Amen? This is the God that we serve that's bigger than this, that's been telling a story before the beginning of time that hasn't given up on Israel and hasn't given up on me and you. Amen? And has not given up on anyone because he's king and he's above all things. And he's still in control, even though circumstances sometimes seem out of control. God is still above all things and he's still in control of his creation and he's not given up on anybody yet. Amen? So this is a bigger story than just reading a parable about a sower. So this is the seed that is promised. And Israel were like the seed. Israel had fallen short. But there's also the soil. There's the seed, the promises of God. But there's the soil. And the soil, as we read in there, is to do with the condition of the heart. It's to do with our hearts that have been damaged by sin. There's the corruption in the world where we look around and we think, where is God? It's to do with the hearts of men, the hearts of women that have been corrupted by Satan, that we've all come under his dominion because Adam in the beginning submitted to him. Therefore, we live in the sin and we live in the consequences of sin, a broken world, okay? We all see that. We, we agree with that, yes? But you know, the good news about this parable is, is Jesus, as we know, he sees the soil. He sees the sin, but he's not given up on the soil. He's not given up on the sinner. 
He's looking at the rocky past and he's looking at the shallowness. He's looking at the fickleness of the people and he understands how we are. We all fall short. Nobody lives to God's standards. But he says this, you can see the issue. You can see the problem, but I'm going to bring a solution. That's the difference. Are you hearing that? And Jesus is bringing a kind of judgment here. He's saying, this is the judgment of God. You've all fallen short. There's no one that's produced good in this world. You've all fallen short. But then he gives a hope. But the seed is here to sort out the soil. Do you see what I'm saying? Who made the soil? God. In the beginning, God made the world, and then he took out of the dust or the dirt, he formed man. Each man is formed out of soil. He's talking about individuals, although he was talking about Israel as a people and a heart where the nation should have been blessed. He's now talking about all the nations that he promised through Abraham. And all the nations are now available to come into the goodness of God. And you know, we've all got soil issues, <laughs> right? We've all, got, we've all got soil issues. We've all got sin, but that doesn't stop God using it for good. You know, you can have good things and make good things out of them, but God makes good things out of bad things. That's the God that we serve. We come as a sinner and he changes it. We come with problems and he uses them for good. We come with attitudes and he changes us and transforms us. This is the God that we serve. This is the power of his love that can change an individual's heart and mind and transform us and turn us into doing good things so that we can be fruitful in his kingdom, not because we have to, just because of the power of God that's changed our lives. We come with dirty soil and God changes our soil and uses it for good. How good is that? I mean, I don't know about you, but I got some dirty soil. I think I'm getting good soil, then I notice there's some weeds in there. But God's not giving up on doing a bit of weeding in my life. So he takes them out rather than condemning me. How good's God? You see, if we read this scripture like, okay, I, I've got good, got to have good soil. And I've got to have, we, like, we all fall short of the good soil, do we not? But if we read it as a merciful God who's come with a wonderful seed, who wants to bring the gospel and the good news with power that can change your heart, if you're willing to have ears to hear, it can change your heart, it can change your attitude. If you repent and turn to him, you can become fruitful in the kingdom of God. How good is God? I'm going to hide, bitch. He's good, but he can't talk to me to open up bottles of water. You see the imagery now, how powerful it was in that day. They had a rich history of understanding the word of God, the promises of God, and they understood the seed of God. And we don't kind of grasp that until we look at the history and what it really means. Matthew is trying to take them into the richness of what God has done through history and saying, this is your inheritance now. You weren't even a Jew, but you're in on it. Are there any Jews in here? Well, you... We're all the same now anyway, right? Whether you're Jew, Gentile, slave, free, the gospel includes all people. Whether you, you, you think you've got a worse sin level than someone else, we're all accepted on the same level in the kingdom of God. Nobody's better than anybody else. You come as a sinner and God will love you and change you. The gospel has comes with such a love and such a grace and such a power. It's not just knowledge. It's not just information, but it comes with a loving God who gives us a, a spirit that changes us. It gives us a, it, God gives us an ability to discern things that we couldn't discern on our own. 
This parable only makes sense when we have the Spirit. Because Paul writes in the New Testament, it's the Spirit that leads you. It's the Spirit that gives you understanding. You need God's respond to Jesus who gives you the Holy Spirit that helps you to grow in understanding. Ah, oh, this makes sense now, Jesus. It didn't make sense before, but it makes sense now because you have revealed it to me. Making sense. Are you still on the same page? You have a richness in God that is available for you. You have an inheritance. You have the forgiveness of sin. You, have a, you are now a child of God. It says that anybody who believes like Abraham believes now has the right to become a children of God. You become a seed of the seed. Wow. You become a seed of the seed. And God promises of that seed to bless nations through you. But you must understand that you must have a seed mentality and a multiplication identity that says, wow, God's going to bless me, but he's going to bless through me. I love what Steffi shared this morning about sharing. What God gives you is not just for you, but it's for many others. But if you have a hard heart that says, well, how's God just going to bless me? You're going to be like Israel that missed it. God loves you. He forgives you, but you're never going to be fruitful in God's kingdom unless you have a kingdom identity as a child of God. I am chosen. I am accepted. I am loved. And the blood of Jesus has washed me. He's forgiven me. And therefore now I'm dancing because I'm a new creation. The old way of sacrifice is gone. The old order is gone. Now I'm in a new order. The sacrifice is paid through Jesus Christ. Now I'm free to love God and to love people. Woo! That just frees us up from religion and, and, and trying to get our identity in this world. God has given us a new new identity in him and in his love. I am loved. You know what? That seed sometimes takes a little bit of processing. Come on, we're on a journey. Well, I don't feel loved. Well, keep looking on the promise. Ask God to reveal it to you. So that your roots aren't just shallow and you're not from circumstances to situations, but you become rooted in the love of God. And you can keep trying and keep going everywhere until you find God's love and his depth and his riches that he has for you. I'm going to read what John says in 1 John. You know, John isn't just writing to Jewish peoples predominantly. He's writing to Greek people. The New Testament is written in Greek. But he's also writing, he's writing to thinkers and philosophers. He's almost doing parables in his own way, but just giving information to the people who he's writing to. So John says, John 1, In the beginning was the Word, the seed. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Dirt, soil, your heart, your body, everything that we see in this world, the seat that you're sitting on, everything was made through him. The psalm says, everything is in the earth is the Lord's. Everything belongs to Jesus Christ. Everything was made through the word, the seed, which is Jesus Christ. Through him, all things were made. Your heart was made through Jesus Christ. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. 
in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That Israel should have been but fall short like most of us. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome. The light shined in death and death did not overcome. There was a man sent from God whose name was John giving a message. Telling you about the seed. You've all been told about the seed. You've all heard a message. You've all had a John in your life to tell you a message. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to his own. He came to that which was his own. Israel, his own son, as he called Israel, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Anybody hearing this morning? Have I got any children in here this morning? May you not doubt your identity and inheritance in God. May you say to Satan, get off my life. This seed has been given by God. I'm not going to have this seed stolen. I'm going to be fruitful in God's kingdom. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Wow. You're a believer this morning. You believed in Jesus Christ. You're born of God. You're born of a seed that is not corruptible. You're born of a seed that is everlasting. You're born of a seed that even though it went through death, it was resurrected again. That's the very seed that is in you. That seed cannot be taken any longer, but that seed is yours. Born of God, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. You know, the Word here for Word it's quite interesting. It's logo, symbol, meaning. He's talking to a philosophers of the time to get them to think like Jesus thought. You want to know the meaning of life? Do you want to know the source of life? Do you want to know where it all came from? It came from Logos. It came from the Word. It came from God. You know, if we're going to understand the meaning of Scripture and understand who we are, where's it going to come from? The logo. It's going to come from Jesus. He is the symbol. He is the thing that should be burnt on our hearts. He is the one who should be on our minds. He is the one who makes life make sense when it doesn't make sense. He is the one who will heal us. He is the one who will forgive us. Because all things came through him. He is the answer. He is the beginning. He is the end. He has your, your life in his hand and nothing can stop him taking care of you. Are you with me? He is the logo. You don't need an Instagram logo to keep you alive. You don't need a Facebook logo to keep you alive. You need the logo of Jesus Christ. You need Jesus. And listen, just be careful. Here's a warning. Don't create a logo that you think that Jesus is like. Be careful. Be careful. Don't box him in to a logo that you think, I've got Jesus in a box. I got him on my logo along with Facebook. Listen, you cannot box Jesus in. If you've got a theology that you think, be careful with your theology. You think, I've got a theology on healing and it doesn't work. There you go, you boxed him in. 
I've got a, I've got a, I've got a, a theology on. You know, theology is not wrong, but be careful that it is not above Jesus. It's man-made theology, systematic theology that you create in your own mind. Here's the deal. Jesus cannot be boxed in. Jesus is a living, he's a spirit. The only way we can know Jesus is through faith in our hearts. <laughs> Are you with me this morning? What's your theology like this morning? What's your symbol of Jesus like this morning? Do you know him as an everlasting king? Do you know him of a king who, who is reigning right now? Who is unstoppable? Who's gone to every nation pretty much in the world like he said he would. That even though men tried to stop him, he rose above them and showed that he is an unstoppable God. With an unstoppable kingdom. I want to invite the band up. Do you know him as an unstoppable God this morning? Who formed you out of the dirt. Who you came as a sinner. And God changed your heart. I know myself, I came as a sinner. And there's many people in here. And God touched your heart. Can I remind you this morning of the sacrifice that Jesus prayed, paid to change your heart. Let us not take it for granted what Jesus paid to change your heart. But may it invigorate you and remind you that your God is on the throne this morning. And that nothing can stop his kingdom. His kingdom is everlasting. Let us stand. Maybe, you know, sometimes in life, circumstances, situations don't work out the way we've planned and we think God hasn't responded in the way we wanted so we can get a bit disappointed. I want to encourage you this morning that God knows. God knows where you're at. He knows how you feel. But why don't you bring your disappointment to him today and start again? Why don't you just say, God, forgive me if I created a symbol that you actually don't fit into but I want to control you and fit you into my symbol. Forgive me for doing that. But God, I recognize this morning that the symbol of Jesus Christ was not only his death, but it was the resurrection. But the message, Jesus, that you want to bring to us, the message the Father wants to bring to us is love. You see, faith is an expression, should be expression itself in love. This morning, may the Holy Spirit remind you of how much the Father loves you. May He embed in you that truth this morning, that He has paid the price with His precious Son. He sent His seed into this world. May you receive that seed this morning. May you receive forgiveness this morning. May Jesus' precious blood wash you and forgive you and give you a new start. And Father, for the rest of us, this morning, may we be strengthened in your promises. May we be strengthened that you are an everlasting God and that your rule and reign will not end. But one day we will be with you in your kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give God some praise. Let's give him some. He's worthy of praise.